Hi everyone, welcome to the Alumni Podcast, Change Your Company. We are live today on LinkedIn and uh, I'm very excited about the conversation I will have with my guest today, uh, who is Liz Kislik, who has um, been working with a lot of big organizations, helping them develop a great culture and also reducing the conflict and developing leaders and, uh, and uh, driving collaboration. So um, uh, you've been uh, covered in a lot of leading uh, publications and magazines, including uh, Harvard Business uh, publications. So uh, I am so curious to ask you a lot of questions and learn from you uh, because uh, you've been for decades helping um, making the workplace uh, better and more inspiring and more engaging. So welcome to the Alami podcast. Thank you so much, Fouad. I'm really happy to be with you. Well, let's start with conflict. And I think the, the title of our episode is Do Leaders Fuel or, or, or Resolve Conflict at Work? What do you think is, a, is the answer today if we look at the workplace? You know I'm going to say both. <laughs> <laughs> because leaders do both the same way that any human beings do both. Yeah. Um, it depends on the person and it depends on the situation. Yeah. I think we have all experienced the ways in which leaders fuel conflict, yeah. often through lack of clarity, through the kinds of communication styles. We all know a leader who deals with each person separately and tells them something else. And then if those people can't get together and figure it out, they have conflict. Um, leaders create conflict when they don't make decisions in a thoughtful or timely way. The ways that they can create conflict, fuel conflict, are myriad. But they can also resolve conflict. Sometimes they do it by acting decisively they come out with a judgment, a decision, a directive. That may resolve the surface conflict. There may still be conflict underneath that's mm -hmm. just waiting to pop out again. Um, but skillful leaders help their team members understand what is going on with each other and understand the larger context and therefore that helps those team members actually create the resolution amongst themselves mm -hmm. you reminded me of a, a leader a very senior leader he was talking to me once um, he was leading two organizations two geographies and uh, basically he was a ceo for two countries uh, switzerland and france and um, and he was struggling in one one of these two organizations with negative culture. So he, he came to me and he told me, look, I go and I sit with them. And when I speak with everyone, everyone talks like what's going wrong with the others. So I go from one office to the other, to the other, to the other, and everyone has a story. So I, I'm really lost, like what to do. And I said, well, let's start with not going to every office. Instead, like bringing them all together in one room. And if anyone offer you to tell you like, well, let me tell you about them, tell them, well, let's talk about it in front of them instead of like in front of me. So 
Yeah. Bringing people together is so important, particularly if the leader is themselves skillful or if they bring in a skillful facilitator. I had one client where there were two groups. Sometimes it's lots of groups, but very often it's two groups. And in this particular case, I interviewed people in both groups. And in each of the groups, they could not understand how I could like the people in the other group. (laughs) Right? Because they were so upset and so triggered and riled up. Um, It was so surprising to them that I could think they were nice people, good people, hard workers, smart. Uh, Just that idea that those other people are like me is an amazing concept sometimes if there has been a long-standing conflict. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, there is one story I heard from uh, Steve Jobs, he was talking about it, that when he was little, there was an old man uh, who brought, he, he, he took him uh, while he was a kid, like Steve Jobs, he took him and he said, let, let me show you something. And he took like a, he, he, he took a piece of rocks and he put them in a tumbler. This is what you call a tumbler. A glass. And said, yeah, and and then basically, which which you know, like goes around, right? And so oh yeah, put, yeah, yeah. A rock yeah. tumbler. Yeah, and then and then t- he told him come back the next day, and, and he came back the next day, and they were all polished. And 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 he said that this was a metaphor for him about teamwork, which is, you know, like like when you put people together, you have tension, you have frictions, but if you if you know how to manage it. You, you create something beautiful. Okay, so I agree if you know how to manage it. Exactly. The difficulty is it's really hard to manage it, and so you could have some jagged rocks that stayed pretty jagged and rub down the other ones. Mm. And if it's beautiful because it's shiny, but every, everyone else is diminished, made smaller maybe that's not so great. Mm. So the way that the polishing happens, if everybody can be beautiful together, Mm. I think that's terrific. But otherwise, it's like, I don't know if you have siblings, but (laughs) the idea that a parent would say to siblings who are in some kind of conflict, go off into the other room and work it out. Mm. You handle it. Yes, the siblings may rub against each other, but the one who is bigger or stronger or faster or smarter or whatever the more is, if that person usually wins, when they go off by themselves without the addition of skillfulness, the one with the more power will win again. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what's, what's a pre condition for this to work? In, ge- in general, I was just talking with a client this morning yeah. who is stuck in a perpetual conflict with another leader. And one of the things I said to her was, if you just keep the same content in the conflict over and over, it will not get better and actually you'll feel worse and worse. Mm. But if you either add something or subtract something, 
so that it shifts the balance, then you can start to work in a new way. And so it might be as simple as adding accurate data when the data wasn't present before mm -hmm. or bringing in a third party something that is often very helpful is if you add the voice of the customer, mm. that can be extremely helpful. Or if you add data about cost so that mm. people really learn what their actions result in. Mm. Um, so adding data can be extremely helpful. Adding either a higher good what serves the customer as a kind mm. of higher good. Mm. That's very helpful. Adding skillfulness, teaching people how to disagree in new ways. Mm. Ways that give them a shared goal, for example. Different techniques for not only the communication, but for self-management. Mm. Because so often in a conflict, what happens is once we get activated, we're operating as if we are under threat. The brain doesn't know the difference between, you know, a tiger is chasing me and my colleague is mad at me. Once we feel under threat, we don't hear as well. We lose our peripheral vision. Our thinking is not as clear because we're all clamped down. So all those kinds of things are the kinds of things you can add. You can take away some of the distractions that might be part of the conflict but aren't the main thing. Mm. You can take away some of the feelings of um, competitiveness or combativeness by reminding people of shared values, shared purpose, shared goals. So you can ease certain things. Sometimes if you just take away time pressure, so that people can work things out with less fear. There are all kinds of ways you can shift the dynamic mm -hmm. and then you can move forward together. That's great about the time pressure. Well, could it be actually that time, sometime the time pressure would help resolving conflict because they need to deliver something? Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is the thing. Almost everything can work as either for, for, for or against, right. <laughs> including leaders. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It depends yeah. on how you apply it yeah. and what you mean by it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in, in, in the programs I, I run, um, one of the things I do is I, I put people into teams, uh, cross-functional, cross-locations, and basically... Uh, make them work on, on real projects to help the organization move forward. And um, usually uh, they present their, their work in front of senior leaders. And uh, in a way, they, they are under pressure, and, but they feel collectively responsible for an outcome. And uh, they, they always have the storming phase, which is interesting because it, in a way, like it is, it is because of conflict, but it's a conflict which leads to the, to the norming and the performing, which is where the team starts to kind of get well together and everyone knows his or her place and they, they perform from uh, based on that. So, but, but I found it like a way to accelerate that in a way. Uh, have, you, have, you, have you done something like this? Or do, I mean, do you, the, do you think that this, this is helpful like in 
So what I love about that is you've constructed the situation so that there are shared goals. Yeah. Right? Um, they do well when they do it together. Yeah. You've created parameters that theoretically would reduce conflict. Mm. Um, if everybody is operating under the same assumptions and the same norms, that can be tremendously helpful. I, I'm interested in the storming part. Mm -hmm. The storming part is often a time when the extroverts in the group, the people who are used to holding the floor can take over. So one of one of the brainstorming techniques that I've been using recently, which is in you know all the literature now, has to do with people thinking first quietly to themselves that's a, that's and a great, making notes, yeah, making notes. And then um, in small groups, in pairs of two, sharing some of the top of their notes and then taking turns reporting out so that you have a greater likelihood of everybody's work being lifted up. Mm. But one of the points you, I don't know if you meant to make this point, but I'm going to make this point out of what you said, which is in some organizations, when there are conflicts, leaders try to make people play nicely together. They encourage them to like each other. They create social situations so they can feel more fun, ease, etc. But I think your situation works better when there is shared work. Yeah. Because asking one person to like another person that they think they don't like, yeah. you can't command that. Exactly. But you can give them goals that, I can't think of a better word, sort of force them they must interact for the sake of the project and therefore for their own sake. And then they see, oh, what that person said was not stupid. <laughs> you know, that was useful. Oh, okay, maybe this will be all right. Yeah. And then they get to know each other first from working together. And then I do like sharing something about who we are exactly. and why we're interested in this, etc. Exactly but not just surface, let's pretend we're congenial. Absolutely. And that's why I have a big issue with what, what they call team building, you know, yes. like events, <laughs> which, is, which is like, this is not how you build teams. I'm sorry. You know, like this is, this is team fun event, but this is not team building event. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when we look at, the culture of an organization and, and this is something like for, especially for ceos like so how to nurture that that culture of collaboration based on your work culture i believe is made up of all the actions that everybody takes and over time it's like the path that everybody walks on, the things that are done repetitively, that are done more frequently, they become the culture. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is that the leader wants as the culture, the leader needs to be doing. Yeah. 
-hmm. If part of the culture is patience, leader must model. As soon as the leader takes any action which seems contrary to their directives about culture, everybody knows it's not necessary. Mm. It's not true. It's not necessary. If the leader models and explains why they are modeling mm. and even what it took them themselves to get to the point where they could model that. Mm. So some of their learning process and vulnerability around it, those are the kinds of things that help employees pay attention hmm. and think about, okay, if that's the way the leader wants it, I can play that game too. I can participate in that. Um, it is quite remarkable. We are all such flawed human beings. I mean, we are wonderful and we are flawed at the same time. And so we all have bad habits that we might prefer not to have. And leaders get to say that they want a culture that's different from their own behavior. <laughs> right? That's such an interesting problem. Yeah. Because then who will tell them, yeah. listen, listen up, boss. You know, would you please go first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this reminds me of this story of Gandhi. There's a lady who came to him and told him, like, hey, could you tell my son to stop eating sugar? And he said, come back after 30 days. So she came back after 30 days and she told him, uh, could you tell my son to stop eating sugar? And he said, hey, my, hey, my, my, my son, like uh, kid, uh, I, I want you to stop eating sugar. It's not good for your health, et cetera, et cetera. And she said, Gandhi, like if, if it was only about just telling him, why didn't you tell him 30 days ago? And he said, well, because back then, I was eating sugar and I was addicted to it in a way. So I don't have the right to tell him until I stop. And, and, and I think this is, this is the point. Like it's, um, it's powerful when, when you, when you ask people to do something, when you've done it yourself and when you actually live by it, yes. this is the power. Yes. I don't want to, so I agree a hundred percent. I don't want to suggest that you can't, ask your team to do something in which you are imperfect, however. Mm -hmm. What you can say is, I think we would all be better off if we exhibited um, behaviors of better listening. Mm -hmm. I know I am imperfect in this. Here are the ways that I am trying to improve. Will you help me? by letting me know when I'm falling down, right? And that way, first of all, we all love to catch the other person. And I mean catch in both senses. One is to note that they are doing the thing they said they didn't want to do. But the other is to support them mm -hmm. if we feel there's a mutuality. Mm -hmm. So the leader can actually help everybody do better, including themselves. But then they have to be candid about their own struggles and encourage others to give them direct and candid feedback. I think, I think it's a great how you explain it. I think on point about, no, you don't have to be perfect in modeling that. You just need to be committed 
to 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 live it right or, or to get better at it and i think yes. and, and when people when you are sincere then people will be willing to go with you on this journey and 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 live it so yeah so much so that that's a way to move everyone forward yeah because when the team knows that the leader is willing the team can also bring up other things that the leader may be imperfect in that the the leader may not even know or it may not be their first choice about what they would work on and then we can all work together and that is another way to say we're all committed to the same things so that when something that used to be a conflict arises it may not even come to the level of conflict we may just all sit around the table and say oh that thing oh yeah let's do something about that thing yeah 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 and i think i think also it's this idea of uh, i remember like in one of the books about human resources and about teamwork they they have this graph which shows that conflict at a certain level is uh, functional or constructive and then if it uh, if it's below it it's not good because people are not voicing their concern and and it's higher it's dysfunctional because it does, doesn't lead to results so basically having a, a optimal level of productive conflict is is good because it shows that different people have different perspectives and 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 that's 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 uh, enriching yes so important if there is no disagreement you have groupthink you don't have growth you don't have creativity it really is the rubbing of people against each other i'm thinking about the stones again yeah that that little bit of grit yeah gives you something to work on and think about the funny thing is in so many places it's only called conflict if people feel bad about it mm. as opposed to we're just working on the situation sharing our views resolving our views whatever that is we call it conflict because we think it hurts us i think about it in terms of is there an explicit or implicit threat perceived by any of the parties mm. and sometimes that's a threat that is individual will i look bad will i lose um will it affect my status those kinds of things and sometimes it's a threat to what i care about or represent will my team get less good work or less compensation will my customers suffer there's a kind of um almost territoriality i am the representative of what i stand for mm. and if i think those things are threatened in effect i feel under threat it is very hard in modern society in capitalist society to be as committed to the overall needs and goals as it is to the needs and goals of your function or your team that's a really tough thing that we ask people to do it's a it's a paradox isn't it or yeah, what what we call po polarity which is you want to kind of be maximizing your people impact and contribution and and 
uh, and at the same time, you want to be maximizing the organization. And I think, and, and the power is when you are able to do both at the same time. Yeah. Or most of, you know, or there's most, some yeah. optimality in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, right? of course, of course, of course. Yeah, and in some in some cases, actually, you want to kind of a uh, you want to put again, like you want to look at the organization, and and, and it should be like the, the priority, right? Which would mean that. In your case, as a leader, you will need to take a little bit step back or maybe like, you know, your team uh, for that. But I, I think um, kind of a just you, you touched on this before, which is the idea when people get to know each other. And there is something which also I do in like as part of my interventions where at the beginning of the program, I make people like share about, you know, about their work uh, and then one challenge and one thing they are proud of. Uh, as an accomplishment and then i ask them to share some pictures about themselves and, and 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 what i tell people is you know like like that person who presented about him or herself in front of everyone you will not you will not see him or her the same again when yes. they go back to their seats you know? that's exactly right so so basically and and this in a way because of that, you know, they see this person like has kids, has this uh, passions or, or hobbies. Uh, they see that the whole person, not just the title or, you know, like the, you know, professional. And because of this, they have more empathy and maybe compassion to, to, this, to this person. What you're talking about is finding commonality. Yes. Which is how we attach to any person. You know, even in the idea that opposites attract, that is true because it can be exciting or stimulating or more ideas or any of that. But if there are no, actually no commonalities, it doesn't hold. Mm. Um, I facilitated a group of leaders and based on the work we were doing, I asked them a question about their childhoods. And it turned out that quite a number of these senior leaders who have impact on multiple organizations, quite a number of them grew up poor. Mm. They didn't know that about each other. Mm. They were shocked. Each of them thought that that was their secret, in effect. It was a beautiful thing to watch them share it and recognize that someone else had had a similar experience. It was so meaningful, and it built a new net underneath them because they had these shared experiences to draw from. Mm. I think this reminds me of um, like a practice that uh, Patrick Leccioni, his name, the, the, the person who wrote the Five Dysfunction of a yeah. Team, you know, they tell, tell uh, like, um, share something uh, that uh, emotional about like your childhood or something like that, you know, and, and basically people share it in front of each other and disconnect them. But I love what you talked about that attraction because I, I believe in this attraction, uh, like um, what do you call it? Uh, opposite attracts. But I love the fact that you say, well, as, as long as there is some, something in common. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, wow. very much so. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you don't see it on the surface, the first meeting. Yeah. But there is commonality there if it actually works. 
Yeah. So what could be example? Like, let's say again, like, because, and this is interesting because when you have someone who is introverted versus someone who is extroverted and, and by the way, I really believe that, you know, some great teams, they have balance in this or not balance, but they have at least people like who complement each other in this dimension, which is, I use the tool called the disc and it, it puts people in different uh, places. Mm -hmm. And, and the example I like to give usually is about Jordan and Pepin, right? Jordan is is very dominant, aggressive, competitive, uh, uh, and then Pepin. Uh, in the, I'm, I'm talking about the NBA. Like Pepin is someone who is a comp like caring, listening, uh, uh, giving. He passes the ball, etc. And 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 Jordan never won a championship until Pepin was on the team. And then, and then in the documentary, Jordan says, well, without Pepin, there is, there is no Jordan. So, yeah. but, but then, but what you're saying is, which is a great insight addition on this, which is, well, there is something in common between them. So there were, there was opposite, but, uh, but there was something in common. And in that case, maybe the common is to win the championship or, or maybe something else. So certainly the work goal, we win the championship, that's something they hold in common. What I would bet without knowing is that they also both practiced very hard. Mm. You know, they developed their skills. They showed up on time. I don't know if this is really true, but I would hypothesize that they recognize in each other the commitment to certain things mm. and that they see that they do better together. Mm. That's a great point. Right? It's really hard unless you are a sole practitioner. You have to work with other people. Yeah. So even as a sole practitioner, at some point, if your business is going to expand, you might need a bookkeeper you might need an insurance agent. I don't know, you know, all the different things. I mean, I need all these things. You need those other roles. You can't do it all yourself or you do not grow. Yeah, yeah. And that gives you lift. You need the other people. Um, of course, then you have disagreements. You have differences of opinion. You have to work it out. When people say, oh, I want no differences of opinion, I ask them, don't they ever disagree with themselves? <laughs> I mean, even as a unitary being, we sometimes want things that are in conflict. Mm -hmm. And and you know, th this 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 takes me to this point where, and and sometimes I ask like in my program about this, which is, which is the the more, you know, the 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 nation or the country where you have the most talented basketball players. And the answer is it's it, it's a U.S. You know, like it's it's like the best of the best, right? But how much how much percentage of like the world championship of basketball has the U.S. won? Which it's like maybe around thirty percent, right? Or maybe forty uh percent. -huh. Uh -huh. and, and and what's the reason? Because you have and and maybe going back to what you were saying before, because you know, like how are you able to make them like when you put them in a team are you making to create like something really in common common purpose common and this is the biggest challenge when you have everyone has his his or her own ego yeah and 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 you want to put them together and direct all this 
and and and, and there is also like a uh, documentary on on Netflix which is about how a, a guy called Coach K who was a coach for the U.S. team and he was able basically to to you know get them all together and all moving in the, in the same direction and helping each other and caring for each other and this is where they when they won and I, I, so this this is and there is one quote just if I, he said like he he was telling them like someone was telling them uh, uh, leave your ego at the door and then he he said no don't leave your ego at the door bring it with you but put it on the on the on the account of the team you know like, yeah yeah. yeah, I think so. I think that's really right. Um, if you have no ego and no boundaries, you actually can't work as well. Yeah, you get taken over people, you know, the expression to make yourself a doormat. Um, those people burn out. At some point, they cease being useful. But going back to Coach K, he did not. I'm sure, just issue directives. Mm. He knew those people. Mm. He knew what they were like. He knew what their weaknesses were. And he experimented, not necessarily on any given team, but in his history, with different ways of working with people who worked themselves in different ways. The leader cannot do one-size-fits-all and have the team really progress together with everybody in equal measure. Mm, that's a great point. Uh, Liz, we are moving toward the end of our conversation, even though I would like to, to speak more and more about this topic, which is, I think it's very hot in the workplace. I have a lot of colleagues and friends who work in big organization and medium organization, even small organizations who tell me like, you must come and see like how we have, you know the fight the silo is a conflict but what, what what's one advice you have to leaders uh, to when when it comes to uh, maybe or just overall or what comes to conflict i think one of the things i would say is that it helps a lot to be curious not to make assumptions even if it's the same conflict you've known for you know, the last eight years. But to be curious about why is this happening now? What are the various sources? What's going on with the individuals? And what are the underlying structural norms that may be part of this? But not just to react. It's that curiosity that will draw out more information about what's really going on and help the leader, just as we were talking about Coach K, make a better decision about how to treat the individuals and how to treat the group, because it's not necessarily the same thing. That's amazing. And uh, I, I got a lot of rich insight from this conversation. I am very grateful for having you with us, uh, your, uh, your work, uh, your mission, is very aligned with what this podcast is about, which is helping creating more engaging and inspiring workplace, uh, which which delivers high performance and help the pe help the people become the best they could be. So, thank you so much for being with us today, Liz. I appreciate the opportunity. I love to talk about what actually makes people's lives better.
yeah. and makes them feel like they accomplish more. Yeah, and, and we are spending a lot of time at work, so it makes sense to make this time, you know, fun and exciting and inspiring. So, yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you to all the people who were watching us live and all the listeners to this episode. Uh, like always, stay inspired and make the biggest impact, uh, not only within your area of responsibility, but beyond it. Bye. Mm -hmm.